Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio version of my show, Rebel Roundup, where we cover the hottest Rebel stories of the week. Today, my guests are Sheila Gunn-Reed and Kian Bexty. If you like the podcast, then you should become a premium content subscriber. That gets you access to the video version of my show, as well as shows from Ezra Levent and Sheila Gunn-Reed. It's only $8 a month to subscribe. And as a special bonus for you, we're offering a 10% discount if you use the coupon code PODCAST. Just go to rebelnews.com to become a member. Thank you for listening, and now enjoy the show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, in the department of let's hire the fox to be a watchdog for the hen house, the CBC has self-appointed itself as fact checker for fake coronavirus news with predictable results. Sheila Gunn-Reed has all the unintentionally funny details. Now, is a gun shop an essential service? The very thought of that might make a Justin Trudeau liberal faint, but Kim Bexty will make the case that it is a very good idea indeed for gun shops to remain open during the coronavirus pandemic. And finally, letters, we get your letters, we get them every minute of every day, and I'll share some of your responses regarding my visit to the notorious Roxham Road to ensure that this outrageous loophole for illegal immigration via the Quebec-New York border was finally closed as promised. Those are your Rebels, now let's round them up. CBC is probably the most well-funded manure spreader of half-baked coronavirus theories and, in some instances, Chinese propaganda and disinformation. However, without an ounce of self-awareness, they've decided that they are the authoritative source when it comes to coronavirus facts. And they are going to use some of their infinite taxpayer resources to separate the wheat from the chaff, if you'll allow me another farming reference when it comes to coronavirus news. Just look at this. This lady here is Katie Nicholson. She's a senior reporter for the CBC and she tweets, Today, CBC News is launching a COVID-19 fact-checking unit. We are here to expose the mistruths and disinformation around the global pandemic. If there's something you think we should look into, you can contact us at covidcheck@cbc.ca. Oh yes, Ms. Nicholson, I'd like to send you an email with a few of the stories that CBC has gotten completely wrong. Or, you know what, I'll probably just send her a link to this video to be entirely honest. Anyway, let's look at some of CBC's more recent information, or rather disinformation, about the coronavirus pandemic. CBC reported four days ago that in response to the coronavirus pandemic, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau would be turning back asylum seekers and closing the border on the night of March 20th. But as Ezra rightly pointed out in his series of screenshots of flight tracker information, airplanes full of people from mainland China were indeed coming as recently as yesterday. 
March 23rd. And that meant that they were coming also the entire weekend after Justin Trudeau said the border would be closed. Actually, that little inconvenient tidbit was written right into the order in council that amended the Quarantine Act to deal with the border closures. It's in Section N that flights would still be allowed into Canada until the end of March 23rd. Oops, how in the world did the intrepid government-funded trained SEALs, or I mean the unbiased investigative journalists, miss that little tidbit? I mean, seriously, the CBC being a fact checker about fake news? Yeah, and why don't we just go ahead and put the fox in charge of watching over the chicken coop while we're at it? And with more on this story of chutzpah to the power of infinity is our very own Sheila Gunn-Reed. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David. Thanks for having me on the show. It is a pleasure. Glad to see you don't have the cough. So, Sheila... The Rona. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Sheila, we just aired that clip about the CBC fact-checkers getting the <laughs> dates on the flight bans wrong. What other whoppers can you share with us from your report? Oh boy, well there was that time that CBC reported nearly verbatim Chinese state propaganda published in Xinhua. So Xinhua is the Chinese communist state broadcaster and Xinhua was reporting that there are no new cases of the Chinese coronavirus in Wuhan and Hubei province, so the basically the birthplace of the coronavirus. Um, Xinhua reports that, then CBC reports this as something hopeful. They use the word hopeful for the rest of us. They, Without an ounce of skepticism, without bothering to see like, hey, what are the Chinese dissidents saying about this? Well, it, it's pretty easy to find footage of uh, why there are no new cases reported, I think is the, the key word there when it comes to Hubei province. And it's because uh, the doctors at the hospital or rather the communist state officials at the hospitals in Wuhan province are simply turning sick people away, highly infectious sick people away because they don't want to add these people to the statistics uh, of the coronavirus. So it, it's not that there are no new cases, it's that there are no new cases reported. And CBC was more than happy to regurgitate communist propaganda. Um, another thing um, with uh, CBC's failure to fact check, um, they reported um, that Donald Trump had inspired a couple to drink uh, fish tank cleaner. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. Because, and they reported this, that it was Trump-inspired. They took the words of the lady who recovered, and her husband had died, sadly. Um, but the lady who recovered gave um, advice to the rest of the world that they shouldn't believe anything and they shouldn't listen to Donald Trump um, because they drank fish tank cleaner because it contains a chemical um, with a similar name to yes. chloroquine, which is a prescription only medicine for malaria that has shown some efficacy in fighting the coronavirus. And this isn't anecdotal stuff. This is doctors who are saying, look, we are treating patients. We are seeing some results. It's the only thing that seems to be working. Why not try? Because chloroquine has been around for a very long time um, with very little side effects, and it's already been used in people to fight malaria. So let's give it a try. Trump says that these people go 
and drink fish tank cleaner and CBC says, oh yeah, it was Trump inspired. I mean, it's, it's astounding to see that CBC has appointed themselves the arbiter of what is uh, true and false when it comes to the coronavirus reporting, when they are the biggest regurgitators of communist propaganda and uh, rumors and half-truths out there. You know, Sheila, this is really drives me crazy, the, the story you just mentioned, that anti-malaria chemical. There is very promising uh, lab results. This could be the breakthrough cure for a vaccine that we're looking for. And then there's two things. One is you would think that in this time of crisis, uh, partisanship would be put aside. But no, with mm -hmm. the left-wing media, this is still open season to attack Donald Trump for absolutely nothing he was responsible for. Instead of concentrating that on the fact that this might be the breakthrough the world is waiting for, they have to come up with this cockamamie anecdote and somehow the president has blood on his hands. I mean, Sheila, this is despicable. Well, and, and let's think about uh, the other ramifications besides partisanship. Um, publishing this kind of story and making it seem as though the drug chloroquine is deadly, it's going to scare people away from taking a drug that might save their life. And I, I think that's really frightening here. When CBC is publishing the words of a woman who was not bright enough not to drink fish tank cleaner when she says, these are her exact words, don't take anything, don't believe anything, don't believe anything that the president says and his people. That's, I mean, and publishing this woman as though she's some sort of um, expert on chloroquine when she drank fish tank cleaner. I, I mean, there are serious consequences or there could be very serious consequences um, for people out there who see this and they say, oh, well, somebody died from chloroquine. Uh, maybe I shouldn't take it Yeah. Um, when my doctor's telling me I should because it could save my life. It could be the only thing. And, and, and of course, the most aggravating thing of all, Sheila, is that you, I, and all our members of the audience and every Canadian has to pay for this garbage to be broadcast. And, and I mean, it, it, it's, you would think that if they're drinking from the public taxpayer trough, they would strive for accuracy. They would try to be as unbiased as possible. But time and time again, we don't see that with their coverage of Israel. Honest reporting, that organization calls them out almost on a weekly basis to uh, correct the record or retract a story that is completely politically biased. And you know, Sheila, I saw it myself when Efren and I, two years ago, we were down in Mexico for almost a week following the caravan. CBC had a reporter there too, and she was reporting that 50% of the caravan were children. Now, I think if your definition of children is 35 and under, yeah, it may be uh, 50%, right? But Ivan reached out to that reporter and said, this is a lie. You, know, you, you correct the record. I didn't even get a response. So I really, it really seems to me that A, I pay for it, and B, when they make complete factual errors, driven, of course, by their own internal uh, politics, they don't own up to it unless they're forced to. Or, or they just pretend like they didn't say that thing. Like they just, like they reported that our health minister, pandemic, Patty Haydew, um, was, 
she said that Canada is fully prepared and has supplies uh, back in uh, January to face the coronavirus crisis. In the meantime, Justin Trudeau's government sent um, a lot of masks and supplies over to China, masks that we now need. And so then just this morning, I'm going through CBC two hours ago, they published a story saying major Toronto hospitals are rationing surgical masks amidst the coronavirus crisis and, and so they don't even correct their own record they report one thing verbatim i call them repeaters not reporters and then when the facts show something different they just keep moving they never go back and say well and Haydu said this but obviously that wasn't true they just keep moving forward and pretend like we all didn't read what we we know we read cbc publish. It's very bizarre. You know, Sheila, on the topic of coronavirus and the medical supplies, uh, you might have seen the story that we put up on Monday. It was a Toronto area realtor, Peter Ding, has access to a factory in China that can produce something like one million face masks a day, as well as gloves, gowns, goggles, you name it. The stuff desperately need a supply. Uh, went to Procurement Canada. They sent him to some kind of defunct website. Uh, they didn't return his calls. The reason he came public with us is he wanted to hopefully get somebody in Ottawa to see this and give him a call or create a media snowball. And But there is no snowball. I mean, CBC you would think would pick up this um, you know, story and run with it because it's an incredible story. Here's a guy that has product that the entire world wants, but government bureaucrats are what, too, too lazy to, to return his calls to get these products to hospital? I, I mean, it, and this, Sheila, I, I have to say, it's a matter of potential life and death. Yeah, I mean, and... It there's another story there. Peter Ding, what a patriot that guy is, by the way, just trying to help his fellow Canadians. Um, but there's another story there that um, you touched on, but none of the mainstream media are talking about. And it is how these extra layers of bureaucratic garbage, things that don't need to exist, are hindering our ability to save lives. Uh, there was a request for procurement. So the government is asking for suppliers to come forward. Yeah. And when a supplier comes forward, they get basically the complete and total runaround with these life-saving materials. Why? Because there's so many bureaucrats and bottlenecks in the way. This is a story about how there's just too much government when we don't need government, when we need citizens to step up like Peter Ding is doing. No, 100%. And, you know, Sheila, we're almost out of time here. Uh, speaking of CBC, what is your take? I understand they've shut down a lot of their local news gathering uh, bureaus and they're centralizing everything. Now, you would think if you are still in operation as a media outlet and communications are indeed vital uh, when it comes to a pandemic, um, why would CBC do this? I mean, are, are, are they scared for their own skins or is this all about even more centralized control of getting the official liberal government messaging out there. Yeah, isn't it funny when, <laughs> like right now is a time when there's so much local news. Everybody is, everybody, the governments and the health authorities are reporting their local cases and they want to get the information about the local cases and where the local hotspots are out to the locals. 
And CBC, I mean, they like to paint themselves as necessary. They require all this money because, oh, who else is going to do local news when it doesn't make economic sense to do local news? And instead, CBC is closing down local news, pocketing the money they're getting to do local news, and then centralizing their messaging. And by the way, who would ever notice? <laughs> who would ever notice that there's no local news from the CBC? When was the last time you watched local news from the CBC? I can't recall. Um, but I, I think you're right. This is absolutely about tightening up that message control. Um, once you get too far away from the center, and what I mean by center is the Liberal Party of Canada, once you get too far away, um, it's pretty hard for them to control the messaging. And so why not go straight to Rosie Barton? And it looks like that's what they're doing. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know what? Let's hope this was a self-defeating strategy for them, Sheila, that if there is ever a regime change in Ottawa and we have a conservative leader with a spine, uh, he can say something like, you know, CBC, uh, we didn't really need all that extra lard during a time of a pandemic global crisis. Why do we need this uh, extra layers of lard uh, in the good times? So we're chopping that budget at long last, you know. Anyway, Ventchila, thank you so much for uh, weighing in on this and please continue to stay safe. You too, David, have a great weekend. You too. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed in the bunker somewhere in Northern Alberta. Keep it here, folks. We have more of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Bexy for Rebel News at the Shooting Edge in Calgary. This is, of course, a firearms store that has seen an increase in sales as a result of the Wuhan flu outbreak. The global pandemic that was announced by the World Health Organization spiked an increase in customers coming to the establishment and purchasing firearms and ammunition. Now, the question many folks are asking is, what is an essential service here in Canada? According to the Globe and Mail in Alberta, just last week when Jason Kenney uh, declared a provincial state of emergency, arenas, science centers, museums, galleries, fitness centers, and community centers, they are all closed. The only exceptions are the Alberta legislature itself, hospitals, grocery stores, airports, and other essential services, which got me thinking, is a firearm store an essential service in Canada? Well, turns out it depends who you ask. We may not fall under your strict guidelines of essential services, but when you read through the guidelines from even the government of Canada, because um, I was just going over that, because we're, we're always concerned about are we essential or what is essential? And part of the, the gist of being an essential service in Canada is um, also for societal norms and the calming of society, like basic running of society. And one of the things that we do is, I mean, especially in Alberta, Alberta is big on hunting. A lot of people are sustenance and sus sustainable hunting. We give them the opportunity then to come and get their supplies. Well, folks, if there's one thing I know about watching post-apocalypse movies ranging from Dawn of the Dead to Reign of Fire, the people who tend to be the survivors are those who have stocked up on the three F's, food, fuel, and firepower. Now, I'm not saying the coronavirus is our real life extinction event, but if we are indeed going down that route, yeah, I wanna be locked and loaded or at least be in the company of those who are. And with more on the necessity of firearms and ammunition is our roving reporter, Kian Bexty. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David, thanks for having me. 
Great. Good, good to see you're keeping healthy. So, Kian, first question, since you filed this piece, is the Shooting Edge and other gun shops in Alberta still indeed open right now? Uh, yeah, as far as I am aware, uh, I am personally eyeing up an SKS to purchase myself. So as far as I'm aware, they're open. I, I hope they stay open. Fantastic. So, and I think, you know, you uh, adroitly address the issue, the fact that these aren't guys that just want to do their hobby uh, at, at a, a, you know, a shooting range or anything like that, but there are a significant percentage of Albertans that go hunting and they use the meat to feed their families. And as far as I'm concerned, food is the ultimate essential item, uh, whether it's a time of crisis or not. So surely that makes the case to keep these shops open, no? Oh, absolutely. That's 100% the case. You see in Walmart or in Safeway and Sobeys, the, the meat freezers get cleaned out at times like this. Uh, and these people who, you know, have firearms licenses and can go hunting and do go hunting to provide for their family, uh, they they have their own personal supply chain that they provide for their family with, which I think is re a really great thing to do just in general, not considering global events right now, but but then considering global events, it's, it's, it's even better and more important that uh, families are able to sustain themselves without reliance on a pretty flimsy supply chain that, that might... Uh, not be working tomorrow. And, and Ken, tell me, behind the scenes, do you think there are moves afoot, especially by the federal government, that they would like nothing better than to sh shut down these shops? Because this is, you know, the federal liberals, they were the ones behind the gun registry. We saw about six years ago during the floods, the RCMP gun grab for absolutely no valid reason. So are you getting um, a sense that they would love nothing more than to do their own brand of virtue signaling by shutting down these shops for whatever reason? I, I was actually just going to mention what happened in High River uh, that left uh, everyone in southern Alberta, that left most Albertans really wary of what the RCMP would do in the middle of a disaster. And and this is effectively a natural disaster. We'll see how bad it gets. Uh, it's right now where, you know, everyone is sort of going about their business. They, they're staying at home and still going to the grocery store. But if things get really, really bad, It'll be interesting to see what the RCMP response is, which, of course, uh, are ordered around the country by Justin Trudeau and his kissy-kissy, uh, smoochy-smoochy uh, RCMP commissioner that, that so adores Justin Trudeau. So, um, I, I mean, for one, I think that's another argument for a provincial police force here in Alberta. Uh, I think that, that I would much rather trust uh, the province with, uh, with an organization that would be able to confiscate firearms because the RCMP have proven that we can't trust them, especially in times of disaster, especially in times when we need our firearms. Um, the RCMP aren't, aren't reliable because they answer to Justin Trudeau. And what I find so perversely ironic, Kian, is that I'm not a firearm owner myself, but I've gone to the Toronto Revolver Club for stories to interview the people there. And I'm telling you, these guys are the salt of the earth. These are the nicest guys. They are law-abiding, tax-paying citizens. They're the furthest things removed from gangbangers, you know, with some, you know, inner-city gang. And yet the crap they have to put up with, right, the pressure even to shut down, 
their shooting range uh, is off the charts. And, you know, I, I, it just baffles me why government thinks that the idea of a gun is bad as opposed to a criminal acquiring a gun being the real problem. I mean, I, you're you're right. I, I have that exact same issue with government. I think that they misdirect uh, their their anger towards uh, their their they, they see violence on the streets and they misdirect that anger towards legal firearms owners. When of course it's not people like me and Sheila Gunn Reed going out uh, to Main Street to shoot up a small business. It's uh, criminals that do that. So uh, there's there's two major diff majorly different populations that use firearms both legal and illegal and the government needs to focus on the illegal ones and uh, ken your piece i i found it very informative i got the same sense of the type of people going to that calgary gun shop as i do of the people that uh, go to the toronto revolver club now I, you told me off air that um around the same time you're doing your story a cbc calgary van pulled up to file a report. I haven't seen that report. I can only imagine their narrative. Can you give us a synopsis of how they covered the same issue you were covering? Well, it was it was all about how it was it was a it was about fear mongering, fear mongering to some mm. extent that that uh, and it was quite clearly directed towards the audience was non firearms owners. So they're trying to say, oh, you need to be concerned because uh, those firearm owners, they're stockpiling. <laughs> you know, everyone's coronavirus right now. Uh, but we have one more thing for you to be worried about, and it is those dastardly firearms owners. They're stockpiling. Uh, and and they sort of made it seem like they were stockpiling for home defense, like they were creating some sort of fortress where they were, you know, putting up traps with their firearms and whatnot. But uh, really, if you spoke to the owners of these gun shops, the main stockpiling uh, are hunters who are just uh, collecting ammo to make sure that it's available so that when they need to go, uh, when they need to go hunting, they don't have to rely on um, a, a firearm shop that might be closed by Justin Trudeau in a week or two weeks. Exactly. How could you possibly blame them for stockpiling? And, you know, and the other ironic thing, we've got to end it here, Kian, but I mean, Hollywood is infiltrated with uh, left-wing progressives. And yet when they make these post-apocalypse movies and, and TV shows like The Walking Dead, the firearm is rightfully glorified because basically in those scenarios where there is no law and order, there is no government anymore, there is no police force, you either have a gun or you're on the menu <laughs> but in in the re so they'll produce that in a fantasy context but meanwhile lobby as hard as they as possible to take away guns not from the criminals but from the law-abiding legal gun owners it is just preposterous absolutely is well Kian, you stay safe and uh get get your ammo stockpiled before uh, justin trudeau decides to close down that gun shop and uh and like i said be safe out there my friend will do okay and that was Kian bexty in calgary keep it here folks more of rebel roundup to come right after this david menzies for rebel news here at the corners of roxham and fisher 
really close to the notorious Roxham Road border crossing that we have been reporting on for, well, a, a few years now. Now, folks, this is very interesting. It is just now afternoon, so in other words, uh, 12 hours since the new rules went into effect regarding the Roxham Road uh, irregular border crossing, as uh, Prime Minister Trudeau likes to call it. Namely, we've been told that no more migrants are going to be accepted into Canada uh, now that the coronavirus precautions are shutting down travel right across the nation. Now, of course, what the federal government, what the Justin Trudeau liberals say and what they do, uh, you got to take that with a shovel full of salt these days, don't you? So I wanted to go down to the border crossing where I was um, just 15 hours ago. As you may recall, we uh, put a report out last night just uh, as the dwindling hours of open borders remained. I wanted to simply see for myself if we are indeed turning back migrants. Well, lo and behold, as you can see behind me, uh, folks, the Quebec Provincial Police have locked down this area. They are not letting anyone through except people that live here. And of course, the RCMP that are still manning the uh, border crossing station. Has, has anyone tried to cross the border since midnight last night? No. No? Okay. And I spoke to an officer off camera. He didn't want to come on camera. And basically it's for a couple of reasons. One is they don't want Roxham Road to become a focal point for anti-migrant sentiment. There was a rumor, he told me, that there was going to be a protest uh, of people coming down here against uh, illegal migrants, and they didn't want that to happen. Uh, those people, he said, never did show up. Well, folks, it was just downright weird last weekend at Roxham Road. First, it was open to everyone. Not that I saw any other media outlets there, mind you. Then at midnight, it was shut down. And then in the early afternoon of Saturday, it was reopened. So I did indeed manage to get down to the border crossing. And if there was a silver lining, I'm happy to report that I did not witness a single illegal alien cross over to Canada at this notorious border crossing. But has this immigration loophole been permanently eradicated? <laughs> what do you think? In any event, here's what some of you had to say about my visit to Roxham Road last weekend to make sure Justin Trudeau was being truthful that this illegal express lane to Canada had been shut down. Scott F. writes, you guys really need a drone and a good pilot to operate it from a distance. Also, hire an American side rebel media staff member so that you can see what's going on re the U.S. side as well. Good luck with Rockstar Road. <laughs> Rockstar Road, I, I like that. Illegals are kind of treated like rock stars here. I mean, I've never had police officers offer me bellhop services. But seriously, Scott, we received many emails like yours imploring us to acquire a, a drone, and we are indeed working on it. But keep in mind, there are challenges even with a drone. For example, as I understand the rules, you cannot fly a drone over an international border, so we'd have to stay on the Canadian side but at least we would have a bird's eye view. As for an American correspondent checking out the New York State side of the border, we're already working on that as well, so please stay tuned. Dave O2 writes, 
I was born and raised in Plattsburgh, New York. I never knew when I left 25 years ago, it would become famous for human trafficking. Yeah, and what's more, Dave, transporting illegal aliens to the Roxham Road illegal border crossing has actually become a cottage industry in Plattsburgh. So as Canadian social services are further burdened, Plattsburghers cash in at our expense while perhaps offloading some undesirables in the process. <laughs> Absolutely incredible, what a deal. And proud Canadian writes, I call BS, move a kilometer or two in either direction and you'll see movement as usual. Well, that is the thing, isn't it, proud Canadian? Canada and the U.S. share the longest undefended border in the world, and when I was at Roxham Road last weekend, RCMP and Quebec Provincial Police Cruisers were patrolling the other nearby roads looking for those who might sneak into the country. And it's quite a bit of real estate, isn't it? After all, one QPP officer quipped that the territory they were patrolling essentially starts at Roxham Road and, quote, ends in British Columbia, end quote. Looks like law enforcement could use a drone or three themselves, but that's assuming our federal government is serious about defending our borders, and we already know they are not. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.